Do you feel like you need God's encouragement and wisdom throughout the week to take hold of His promise to fly like an eagle? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Eagles on the Hill. Let's join our host, Pastor Jeff Scheich. Hey, people, I am your host, Pastor Jeff Scheich. So thanks for joining us on this edition of the podcast. Those who have listened for a while, those who know me, know that I have a heart for Israel and uh, love to take people there on pilgrimages and have uh, had to actually postpone some pilgrimages now because of what's going on uh, here uh, in Israel. And so we want to take a look today at um, how we got where we are and where are we headed? How, if possible, is it possible to solve these challenges, this challenging situation between Israel and the Palestinians. So in order to begin to take a look at that, we want to go back in history just briefly because we need to know where we've come from if we're going to find out where we're going. All right. So let's take a look, first of all, at who has controlled this land for the many centuries that we know of. And we're going to, we're only going to go back to the Canaanites. So this is going back now 2,000 years before Jesus, so 4,000 years ago. And we're going to quickly walk through, uh, without too much comment, all the different uh, groups, ethnicities, countries, nations that have ruled this area that today we call Israel. The Canaanites then came Israel, actually the kingdom of Israel, begun by King Saul, King David, King Solomon, and then all the other kings. After them, uh, it was known as Israel for um, and Judah for 500 years. And then Assyria uh, took over that area. Then the kingdom of Babylon took it over. Uh, then the Greeks took over. Then came the Romans. And of course, that was the time of Jesus. Then came the Byzantines, which is really an offshoot of the Roman Empire, the Eastern Roman Empire, the Byzantines. Then came various Muslim empires. We're not going to name them all, but that is significant that Muslim uh, empires took over after the Byzantines. Uh, then came the Crusaders. You might have heard of the Crusaders. Uh, they also ruled this area for about 100 years. Then came the Ottomans. Uh, we're skipping over, you know, here and there or whatever, but the, the major ones. Uh, the Ottomans ruled this area, the Ottoman Empire, for 400 years, 1517 to 1917. Then you might be surprised, you may not know, that Great Britain actually ruled this area after World War I. Uh, and it was their mandate that enabled various countries to form the, kind of a broken up Ottoman Empire, the country of Jordan, the country of Syria, the country of Lebanon, uh, country of Iraq. All those countries were formed out of the Ottoman Empire and the country of Israel formed out of the Ottoman Empire. So then who ruled this area uh, beginning in 1948 would be Israel and also Egypt, Jordan and Syria. We'll see that in a map in a minute. But all of those countries ruled portions of what we talk about today as Israel. And uh, then, of course, Israel took uh, them over in 1967. So uh, that's, that's who ruled this area. There is uh, one name that you, if you're listening carefully, there's a name you might have missed. Palestine. This area was never ruled by a country named Palestine. There was never a nation named Palestine. There was no king of Palestine. The Romans invented that term as a geographic term, not a political term, but they were trying to expunge the name of Israel from that land. And so they called it Palestine. So the point being, there's never been a nation called Palestine. That may surprise you. I don't know. 
so when local Arabs, uh, Palestinians, say that their land is occupied, what do they mean by that? Well, their land has been occupied, um, as we just talked about over the last 4,000 years, by all sorts of different empires, all sorts of different nations have, quote unquote, occupied that land, have ruled that land. Uh, so what do they mean exactly when they say the land is occupied? What land precisely are they talking about when they say the land is occupied? Let's take a look at a map. If you're looking on YouTube, you'll be able to see the map. Otherwise, you can just imagine it. Um, we have the nation of Israel as it currently exists. Uh, prior to 1967, the West Bank was ruled by the country of Jordan. So you'll see Jordan is to the east of the Jordan River. Jordan also ruled the West Bank of the Jordan River, almost really it's within seven miles of the Mediterranean Sea. So um, West Bank is a large area. Egypt ruled what is today known as Gaza from 1948 to 1967. And Syria ruled what is known as the Golan Heights from 1948 to 1967. So in other words, uh, prior to 1967, Israel was much smaller. Then in 1967, a war happened, not by Israel's choice, but nevertheless, a war happened, and Israel took over territory from Jordan, from Egypt, and from Syria. The Golan Heights from Syria, the West Bank from Jordan, and Gaza, as well as the Sinai Peninsula, etc., from Egypt. What's happened since then is Israel has signed a peace treaty with Egypt, in exchange for the Sinai Peninsula, they gave Egypt the Sinai Peninsula back and Egypt agreed to, co to come to terms of peace with, with Israel. Um, Jordan came to peace with Israel, however, did not receive any of the West Bank land back. Jordan did not want that land back um, because of those people that live there. We'll talk about uh, why that is in a moment, but uh, Jordan did not want the land back because they didn't want those people back. Interesting. And of course, the Golan Heights, uh, Syria, uh, Israel is still not at peace with Syria and will never uh, give the Golan Heights back voluntarily because of its strategic military importance. All right, so uh, let's then ask our question. What do local Arabs, or known as Palestinians, when they say the land is occupied, what do they mean by that? Well, never was it said that Egypt or Syria or Jordan occupied any of that land, even though they ruled it. So what is meant by that is that Israel is occupying the land, even though there never has been a country called Palestine to occupy. It's been a geographic location. Israel rules it. It's been ruled by 10, 15 other empires throughout history. So kind of a little bit confusing. Are you, I don't know if you're confused yet or not but uh, maybe you have learned some facts that you might not have known before. So what is being occupied is not the West Bank, not Gaza, not the Golan Heights, but what is being occupied is the nation of Israel itself, is an occupying force, all right? So let's continue here. I want to give you some demographics so you have an idea of who's who and how many people live there. And these are all rough estimates, obviously. In Israel, there are 11 million people. That is not, we're not including Gaza and the West Bank here. Israel has 11 million people, 9 million of them are Jews, roughly, and 2 million of them are Israeli Arabs. Some of them consider themselves Palestinians, some of them consider themselves Israeli Arabs. In Gaza, there are 2 million Arabs, 
most of them, I would say, consider themselves Palestinians. And in the West Bank, or what Israel calls Judea and Samaria, there are two and a half million Arabs, many of them, most of them consider themselves Palestinians, and 500,000 Jews who live now in the West Bank since 1967. Prior to that, there were no Jews living in the West Bank because the West Bank was ruled by Jordan, and Jordan had kicked them all out. There were hundreds of thousands of refugees from the West Bank that had to quickly resettle in Egypt, just as there were at that time and in 1948 and other of these conflicts, various uh, hundreds of thousands of refugee Palestinians as well. So the Palestinians are not the only ones who have been kicked out of their land. The Jews also were kicked out by the Jordanians in 1948 from the West Bank. A lot of people don't know that. All right, so total, in total, you have 9.5 million Jews living in those territories combined, and you have 6.5 million Arabs. Many of them, most of them, consider themselves Palestinians living in those territories, those areas. All right, so not quite 50-50, but pretty close, 9.5 to 6.5. All right, so what is the solution? Well, people living in Israel, the Jews, uh, talk about a variety of solutions. Some of them talk about a two-state solution. Um, many of the more liberal uh, Jews, non-religious Jews, talk about a two-state solution. The challenge with that is that over half of the population of Gaza and the West Bank, certainly well over half of the population of Gaza, almost half of the population of the West Bank, agree with Hamas. Well, you see what Hamas has done to the Jews. So if you have and cede total control of the West Bank and Gaza to Hamas, well, your imagination won't even imagine the terror that would uh, happen in Israel if that were to take place. So the two-state solution from Israel's perspective is untenable when you think about it. Also, many in Israel have a one-state solution as an idea. The only problem with that is that it's impossible because you saw the numbers, nine and a half million Jews, six and a half million Arabs, they would lose their Jewish state. And so uh, Jews would simply not accept that. Other possibility is that Jordan would take over the West Bank and rule the West Bank again, and Egypt would take over Gaza and rule Gaza again. That's also impossible because Jordan does not want to do that and neither does Egypt. Why not? Because of, of the terror groups that are prominent in those areas. Neither Jordan nor Egypt want to incorporate terror groups into their societies. They have enough trouble as it is. The Hamas terror group began actually as an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood, which began in Egypt. And um, already Jordan has enough Palestinians living in Jordan, agitating against the king, that he doesn't want to have any more Palestinians live in Jordan by uh, taking uh, control of the West Bank. So that also is impossible. So the Israeli solutions are one, two, three, impossible. Palestinian solutions and the United States solutions, I would say, under this current administration, at least the two-state solution. That's what's being pushed by Palestinian and by the United States and many other Western countries, countries around the world. But how, well, we've already talked about how will that work? Well, you have the events of October 7th. You have chants from the river to the sea which represents well over half of the local Arab population, the Palestinian population, believe that. What does that mean? It means that under a two-state solution, 
there will no longer be two states, but very quickly there will be one Arab Muslim state and uh, the state of Israel will be gone. And in the view of some, the annihilation of all the Jews who are living there, that's 9.5 million people, that's worse than the Holocaust. Remember, in previous episodes, we've talked about the teaching Dar al-Islam, that when a land is ruled by Islam, it must always be ruled by Islam. And this land, at one point, was ruled by Muslims. Remember, we went through our list and said that um, at various times throughout uh, the second millennium, that is between um, about 700 AD and 1917, at various times, um, the majority of that time, this land was ruled by Muslims. And so it is a Muslim belief that this land must be ruled by Muslims forever. So the state of Israel will cease to exist. As long as, in some views, as long as Jews would be willing to live as a dhimmi status and uh, pay extra taxes and be subservient to the Muslims, they could live in that area. That's happened in the past. But in the view of others, like Hamas, Jews must go completely. So not a good solution, uh, this two-state solution that's being pushed by people all over the world, including the United States. Um, very uh, important for Muslims that Jerusalem be ruled by Arab Palestinians. Well, that is a non-starter for Israel, uh, because if Jerusalem is to be recaptured by Muslims, by the local Arab population and ruled by the local Arab population, then the Jews would all be kicked out. So again, um, not a solution that's going to work. So what have we arrived at long-term? No solution. I don't know of a solution that will solve this problem. Short-term, the solution would be to get rid of Hamas, which I'll give you my opinion, the United States and others are not going to allow Israel the freedom to do. This push for uh, ceasefires to get the hostages out, um, very noble, but what it does is allows Hamas to regroup, to be entrenched and to fight another day. Uh, this whole concept of not harming any civilians as if it is Israel's fault that Hamas is using civilians as human shields, um, all of these things are going to combine to not allow Israel the freedom to actually destroy Hamas. Uh, it is possible that Hamas will no longer rule in Gaza when this is over, but Hamas will not be gone. The ideology will not be gone. The Islamist ideology uh, will still be there. And so uh, at the end of this current round of fighting, my sense is that there will be another temporary ceasefire, and that will lead in the future to more terrorism and more mayhem because of the various uh, teachings that we've talked about. So not a happy ending, but hopefully it's helped you understand why this situation is so difficult to solve and why it has not been solved for so many years and why the world will have to continue to deal with this. In the end, there's only one way to peace, and that's through Jesus, through the power of the cross, the cross of Jesus, that uh, gives us peace, that gives us hope, that gives us the gift of eternal life. And so certainly in the face of this uh, despair, we as Christians want to pray for, as we've talked about before, people in that region to come to know Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to be able to live in peace with one another, to be able to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. Jesus is the only one that can change the human heart. And so we pray 
for people to know Jesus, not only in that region of the world, but in our own region as well. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We want to encourage you to write us at eaglesonthehill211 at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts about what we've just talked about. Let us know other ideas, topics that you'd like us to talk about in the podcast. Remember, as we close, that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Thanks for listening.